This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I'm never alone. Sir, would you please introduce yourself? I'm the guest that it's been so long since I've been here. It's been so long. <laughs> it's been so long. Since I've seen you. Come a little closer. I think I recognize you. <laughs> GT Rebirth is back, and it has been so long. You've been having to wait for uh, a lot of uh, road to death metal going on on this side. Um, but we 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 picked out this little piece of real estate, podcast real estate, around Fourth of July for a reason. Um, we kind of have a bit of a uh, tradition. So I like to carry around um, to talk about and carry on about patriotic heroes. Um, and like, believe it was last year we tackled Captain America's 1990 film. Um, was that I last think it, year or I, that two years ago? I feel like it was two years ago. I'm not sure. It feels like two years ago, right? I feel like we've been doing this for quite some time. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't remember. Uh, I, I, I remember Captain episode, uh, Captain America episode vividly, but. I feel like we did something else for the last 4th of July. Uh, I believe, I, th- I think you're right as well. Um, but the whole thing was like, you know, when you think of 4th of July, you think of Captain America. There's obviously great Captain America books, great Captain America films um, that both me and you are huge fans of. We've discussed um, whether tac- tacti- tactically to cover um, Sam Wilson's Captain America, but we're going to hold off on that to be a bit of a refresher for Falcon and Winter Soldier whenever that's to come out. Whenever. Um, Not soon enough. When, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever all that ends up happening. But Greg had an interesting thought. You know, if we're going to sit here, we're going to tout all the great accomplishments of the man behind the shield. What about if we talk about the woman behind the man behind the shield? I'll gladly Margaret, take credit for it. <laughs> Margaret Carter, which I don't know how you get Peggy from Margaret. I never understood that either. I, I, I've never, I never knew that. I just thought they were two completely different names. Yeah. Um. Right. That's like, like I always think of the name like Sally. Like, what is Sally short for? Right. I, I heard know. it was short for Sandra, which is like, what are you, what are we doing? Uh. That's not how that works. Um. But Peggy Carter. Um, who is famously played by Haley Atwell. Am I saying that right? Uh, I think so. Haley, Haley, I don't want to say it wrong. Haley, Haley Atwell. Atwell. It's, it's either that or something I want to be fancy. I say Haley Atwell. 
Yes. <laughs> she, you know, she played her in um, Captain America, the first Avenger, and then in a bunch of other stuff, which I'll, I'll list in a bit. But before she came onto this uh, silver screen, if it will, did you know much about the character of Peggy Carter? Uh, I knew absolutely nothing. Um, I I hadn't heard of the character before, and like as I've gone back, I've noticed that uh, the Marvel properties that I saw as a child did very little work, like exposing you to Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and and maybe it was maybe it was licenses or maybe it was because they had an older cartoon from years before but it's like there's this gap as far as use of the character because he got used in you'll probably remember he got used in spider-man the animated series but it's almost like a completely different guy yeah he they 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 don't really talk that's the thing about captain america is like not much is explained about him he's not given friends or family for the most part if it's not the howling commandos um and i remember that spider-man appearance it was all like yes just like that time they gave me that super soldier serum and i became captain america that was it that was like the whole origin but also (laughs) like but also like he's never been in that like it was also like he'd never been in that time in that timeline, so like he had just been, uh, he had been brought back from the past with these other characters, right, right. And his his whole thing gets a bit wonky because, um, you know, he this is a character that's been frozen, brought back, uh, t- took down the mantle, picked it back up. So there's a bunch of stuff that kind of meld with that whole um, the background for Peggy as well. I think at one point she is like canonically related to Sharon, but not the aunt. And then it's like, oh no, 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 she's totally the aunt. Because the timelines and stuff like that. They have yeah. to they have to figure it in. What I found interesting, and I have to double check this little thing that I that made me raise an eyebrow. Let me see if I have my facts correct. But Captain America was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Yes. Uh so a lot of people falsely attribute Stan Lee to that. Um, but I'm sure Stan did nothing to <laughs> dif- differentiate from the from that mistaken fact. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, but but even though he can't get the credit for creating Cap, he did help co-create Peggy Carter. Yes. Um, and although some fans of Jack Kirby might say that it was all Jack, but you know, you get what I'm saying. So uh, the character first appeared unnamed because that was what they used to do with female uh, love interest back in the day. Ah. Um, as a wartime love interest of Captain America in Tales of Suspense 75, literally a single panel uh, introduction. Wonderful. No, and no name. And no name. <laughs> uh, by and the time here you get is this, a woman. <laughs> this woman. Look at her. See you next month. At, <laughs> and so at issue 77 she gets her actual uh debut and like i said she was created by writer stan lee and artist jack kirby so peggy carter joins the french resistance as a teenager and becomes a skilled fighter who serves on several operations alongside captain america uh the two fall in love but an exploding shell an exploding shell gives her amnesia and she is sent to live with her parents in virginia during the original Sin storyline, it was revealed in 1952 that Peggy Carter worked with Howard Stark and Woody McCord when they investigated an alien ship in Siberia. The three of them worked to keep the alien from being uh, taken by Hydra, and the alien, I think, lives with Anton Banco now. <laughs> oh, dear. 
right? In the 60s, Peggy Carter joined up with S.H.I.E.L.D. for a long tenure. At the time, Captain America resurfaced in the world. Peggy Carter was taking treatment from Dr. Faustus. When she was rescued by Captain America, she maintained her friendship with him. Peggy later helped Captain America fight the Secret Empire. Not that Secret Empire, but a Secret Empire. A Secret Empire. She also, yes, she de- also dealt with his decision to stop being Captain America when he ended up being Nomad. Uh, she helped Cap when her niece Sharon and um, some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents went missing. Uh, and she later joined the Avengers support staff at Avengers Mansion. During her retirement, Peggy lived in a nursing home and started suffering dementia where she couldn't recognize Sharon. William Burnside later visited Peggy, claiming to be the original Captain America. That's not great. Following her death, S.H.I.E.L.D. erected a memorial statue outside, a statue of her outside of S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy in Newark. Steve Rogers, Nick Fury, and Dum Dum Dugan attended her funeral. I think since then she's also been brought back again, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, she might be. But I don't think she's as big of a staple. Uh, what's interesting is as somebody who was doing a lot of um, cap reading at the time, that name Dr. Faustus comes out a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I, Faustus is kind of a kind of an annoying presence. And he never he never engages in fisticuffs. No. You know? It's never like a knockdown drag out situation. He's always pulling the strings uh, behind the scenes. If I'm not mistaken, he might be um at fault for the original assassination of Captain America. Yes. In Civil War. Um, without saying who does that, just in case those who haven't read it want to read it. Um, doesn't he also have a big place in Secret Empire? Or am I just thinking of Civil War? <laughs> I think you're just thinking of Civil War. I don't remember him at all it in might Secret just Empire. Be, it, might just be, it might just be Civil War. But he's he's I, definitely I, back there. We're going to figure out a reason to force you to read. Yes. Yes. And... Um, Faustus kind of shows up in the show as uh, what's his face? That other <laughs> Avanco. Those last names, bro. I I, 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 I couldn't. I I just so like I got so used to just like oh that's uh, Faustus. I just forgot his actual name. Oh, you just start calling it. It's like Avanco or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Literally, I, I don't know why it's not coming up. But yeah. Um. So yes. I, I, so with Faustus come and that story comes knowledge and uh, exposure to Sharon. Yes. And so we have Sharon, Agent 13, you know, um, decorated agent on the shield, a love interest for Captain America, and then pawn at one point uh, for Dr. Faustus. So it seems like she was just checking the blocks that Peggy did, I guess, at one point. Right. Um, uh, and then, but our first actual introduction to the character in live action comes in Captain America: The First Avenger, um, which was written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, which also created this television show that we're going to cover today: Marvel's Agent Carter. Those boys just so they, don't get work forever. They were keeping their hands on their stuff, which I thought that was that was very interesting, and on other uh, people's stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were you able to see the one shot uh, for Agent Carter? I did not. I hadn't. I hadn't learned about the one shot. The one shots until way after they stopped doing them, and I just never went to go find them. And in true podcasting fashion, where I could probably find out the answer, but I don't have the information in front of me. Hmm. Do you know if those one shots are anywhere, like Disney Plus or? I assume they're on Disney Plus, but I thought they were still on YouTube. 
Okay. Uh, the, I saw one on YouTube, but it was one of those ones where, like, they sped up the volume. Uh, I was like, oh, this is not great. Not a fan here. We got to get past the, uh, the detectors. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that comes out in 2011, Captain America, the first Avenger. And then the one shot with her in it comes out in 2013. So a potential, um, oh, sorry, the series was produced by ABC Studios, Marvel Television, and FNB, Facecus, and Butters. That Tara is an Butters, incredible name. Michelle Facecus, Facecus, <laughs> and Charles Dingus, <laughs> serving as showrunners. Are, 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 are we sure these aren't South Park characters? That, yeah, right? Butters, Butters and Dingus. Uh, a potential Agent Carter series was initially brought up by um, in July of 2013 by Luis D. Esposito, who is currently the co-president of Marvel Studios, after he screened his Agent Carter one-shot at San Diego Comic-Con. Now, just because people woo at San Diego Comic-Con doesn't necessarily mean they want it. Sometimes people just woo. Sometimes you've been in Hall H for too damn long. We're just having a good so, time. Yeah, so everything's you great. Squirrel Girl movie. You're like, woo! Yeah, more Squirrel Girl. Um, I'd watch it. But, yeah, but he was down. I guess. I guess he got the ovation he wanted. So by September of that year, 2013, they already start working on um, the Peggy Carter stuff. Right. Uh, looking for writers, trying to get the show into development and stuff. But no, um, I, I, then, we cut you off for a second. Uh, because now I'm curious. You may be curious. Have you ever heard a Hall H crowd boo? No, I don't think. Which is why I say that. Like, I think no matter what it is, you know, they, they, they're going to. They're going to. We paid hundreds stuff. of dollars for these tickets. We're along for the ride. And we've been here for 40 hours or something outside of this building. Like, there was very little shown in that what if. Uh, right. That what if uh, thing. But they wooed and, and whooped for him because they recognize it. Existence. I know that name. <laughs> yeah, I know that name, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, think about the Blade announcement. It's literally just the logo and the, and the actor. I have a hat. And that, and that was it. It was like, look at my hat now. I am Blade now. And that was it. Fuck yeah, uh, that hat. I'm sorry. That was it. No, that was it. And uh, But the thing is, like, I, I wonder, like... I feel like it's one of those situations where they got the they got the hype or whatever they heard the crowd reaction and then they kind of just made their own thing yeah. without necessarily factoring in the, that same crowd. It's it's like a it's they we're using this this technically very small percentage of our fan base as a primer for everyone. Yeah. Interestingly enough, um uh, in 2014, Marcus and McFeely had said that they were that you know in their minds, this would be a limited 13-episode series. Okay. So that's interesting, right? Because it ended up becoming a 12-episode, two-season uh, series? Uh, Eight-episode first season, 12-episode second, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's up there. Um, But yeah, that, I mean, maybe 13 would have been... Nah, people would have wanted more. It's just one of those things where, regardless of what it was, Marvel, people... Oh, come on. 2014, people wanted it. Oh, yeah. Um... So yeah, then they were gonna try to slide it, like slide it in between some of the seasons of Ages of Shield, um, but they ended up officially ordering the series in 2014 with executive producers Butters, Facekiss, which I think I was saying before, mm-hmm. Marcus McFeely, Dingus, Kevin Feige, Louis D'Esposito, Alan Fine, Joe Casada, Stan Lee, and Jeff Loeb. 
Oh, I think that as many executive producers as there are episodes. <laughs> that's that's madness. Um, it's a lot of so people ep- making that soup. Marcus and McFeely stated in March 2014 that the series would be set in 1946 initially, occurring in the middle of the timeline established in the one shot and would focus on one case for Carter. Additional seasons would then advance uh, every year, examining a different case every year. Despite working on Captain America's Civil War at the same time, Marcus and McFeely remained involved with the series after writing the first script. When the showrunners joined the series, they went on a mini-camp with Marcus and McFeely to dis- to develop the series from a pilot script written by the pair. I'm very interested in what that mini-camp was. <laughs> was. <laughs> Did they go back to the 1940s and they take away everybody's cell phone? Yes. Very interesting. Uh, so they looked at various influences uh, outside of Marvel to try to develop the series, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, LA Confidential, etc. Those are very different um, things. Ain't they though? I can see a little bit of the a- uh, LA Confidential Noir stuff. Oh yeah, you know, there Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, I'm I'm a little bit lost on. Mm. Uh, so they didn't want it to have like a gadget of the week, bad guy of the week stuff like normal. Um, instead, just kind of focusing on Agent Carter. And uh, yeah, they 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 felt like it was more important with the Agent Carter story to not have a villain of the week. Um, okay. So I guess for the first time, this would be my thoughts on this for the first time. I've literally never spoken to anybody about this uh, about Agent Carter, so I'm interested in having a conversation. Um, so I guess I will start with saying this is be your second time watching both seasons. Yes. Okay. Did did you enjoy it on your first run? I guess I would say. I did, yes. Um, I pretty much stopped and watched it just to kind of get a gist of, like, what was the big deal about this show? But also because um, when I had given the first Avenger a second watch and pretty much when I finally actually appreciated the movie because I did not first, right? Um, Haley Atwell just kind of charmed me real good. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to give this character's show a shot because of it. Like, you know, if I, if I like these few minutes I've gotten over, maybe I'll like an entire couple of hours. Okay. She's incredibly charming. Yes. Miss Atwell. Um, but, but, but favorite season on the first go. Uh, first one. Okay. Uh, that has your feelings and feelings of the rankings, of the seasons maintained. Ranking of the season? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now uh, you've seen everything the sec for a second time around. Has any of your feelings changed? Um, no. I, I, I forgot more than I remembered, I guess. Like, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, like, most of the stuff I remembered was about the same. I forgot that season two had more Dottie Underwood than I thought it did. Right. And which made me kind of yeah. glad because, like, she's kind of a fun, weird character. She is, and I did some little bit of uh, back uh, background background checking on her, and I was like, oh, okay. there's some things there. Um, so up front, I liked the series. Yes. I definitely, I, this wasn't like Punisher Season 2 or, I, or Iron Fist Season 1 where I'm just like, what is going on? Just get there. Like everything right. is, is paced exactly how it's supposed to be paced. I think my biggest issue with it is I, I find myself losing interest with the lack of comic book. I, I wouldn't say like, reference? It, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be synergy. Yeah, I guess it would be reference. Okay. Um, and so, like, 
my first pop in the series is the my mind connection of of uh realizing that midnight oil is basically the mad bomb okay you know so i'm like oh are they doing mad bomb I think they're doing Mad Bomb, and I'm like looking up, you know, Midnight Oil, and they're like, "Yes, the Midnight Oil is, you know, uh, a stand-in for the Mad Bomb." And I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! That's so great!" And then when I found out about Doctor Faustus, I'm like, "Oh, this is so cool!" Like, I I don't know what I what I would have wanted. I wish like maybe we could have got like an original Human Torch, sure, uh, cameo or something like that. I don't know what what exists in the 1940s to play with. What would have been safe, et cetera. I think but that's I the like, tough. Um, I think that's the tough part yeah. about it because, for the most part, like everything from the 1940s that the show, not the show, that the comic book seems to really examine, is Captain America, and then he gets frozen. Yes, and then we jump. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's yep. never like what happened in the 50s. You know, like, the closest thing we've gotten to in Marvel to what happened in the 50s was that Spider-Man book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not You're nearly right. the same thing. You're right. And they also don't want to tread back into wartime, even though this country is constantly in war. Right. Like 10 years after 10, 10, 15 years after the events of World War Two, you could be you know right back into the beginnings of vietnam you know like you don't want to go yeah back into wartime peggy like you got to find some sort of middle ground some sort of middle for the character to that point like uh, that's the only thing they really have done which was like uh uh they did frank castle and he went to the war but even then that 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 was victim to the sliding time scale yeah yep so Shit. his war becomes afghanistan know. The, his next war is going to be whatever war we're coming up on. <laughs> That's going to be the next comic yeah. book, you know, uh, just to get that right there. Um, and I and I and as I was watching the show, I kept thinking to myself, like they probably were restrained because they didn't want to necessarily, um, you know, uh, tie the hands of anyone in the movie department by bring by bringing anybody in or you know, yeah. Um, the the series itself, I feel at points can be pretty safe it feels safe like i'm watching it it feels safe i don't necessarily think anyone's gonna die a horrendous death i don't necessarily think that anything's gonna happen that's gonna cause me to be like that cover my eyes in a good way but also in a bad way that makes me wonder how jessica jones would have done on abc oof what do you think about that you think Uh it it, could have maintained its integrity there or it's a little it's a little rugged like that's fine yeah i I, I, in the same way that i talk about sometimes with um the avengers the first avengers film Uh like this is perfectly made almost like a watch okay um and so it gets to a point where there's almost no grime on it like Haley's incredibly patient and passionate yes throughout like she's almost just like cap kind of flawless she doesn't really have vices or uh attitude problem yeah. or like her problem is that she does things without permission but oftentimes she's asked for that permission <laughs> and it wasn't given to her yeah like, like uh, the, the the show is very is very much guided you to believe that like well you should you may as well because they're not gonna let you yes and right. and like even with superheroes like f- forgiveness over permission is not exactly a new trope yes and yeah, and she. This is something that she also dealt with with Cap, right? Who kind of just put on a uniform and went out there without anybody's permission. 
So th- this is very in keeping of uh, in keeping with her. So we're dealing with her um, at least in the first season, post the capsicle, and she's working with the, the capsicle. SSR. You, <laughs> which which SSR secret location do you like the best? The uh, telephone or the uh, the other one's a talent agency, right? I like the talent agency. That one's funny. Yeah. I like Rose. <laughs> She's great. Yeah, she <laughs> uh, is. The front, the, the front desk woman. Yes. Um, so, yeah, she's working at SSR, but now that everything, now that, in my opinion, what happened is Captain America was the most high-profile person she knew. Mm-hmm. Like, that she was the one that would stick up for her. Yeah. And now that he's gone, like, no one's giving her any special treatment. Yeah. It's almost sad in a way because it's just like, you've gotten this far because we know Steve's going to defend you. We're not crossing him. Right, and now he's gone, so you got no. There's no hopes. Like, don't no one to defend don't try to, you. Don't push your luck. Don't push your luck. You're lucky to be here. Yeah. Um. You you have a bunch of a bunch of uh situations with her trying to do the whole interrupt the boardroom to give a good idea, and they're like, who let this woman in in, in here? Like, she has thoughts. Where's my coffee? Here. Uh, yes. And um, is she gonna take the lunch orders? I was like, oh. What? In a little bit, yeah, crazy. Here. That was hard to stomach for a while. Um, did, did you know when this series was announced that you would be getting some more time with Howard Stark and uh Edwin Jarvis? No, not at all, <laughs> not at all. Okay, yeah, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't end up watching it until like way after, okay, because like I was not all in on the Marvel movies when this came out. Okay, that makes sense. I watched it much later on Hulu. Are you a fan of Dominic Cooper's portrayal of Howard Stark? Uh, he's my favorite Howard. Yeah, you know John Slattery. Uh, not as John fun. Slattery guy. Not as fun. No, not as fun. I, um, he definitely. I think John Slattery definitely nails the cold business father. Which is probably a madman. Yeah, like, he probably pulled that I, from his madman. And I think if you were to, I think if you were to ever make an argument for like pulling a move where you cast different actors to play different ages of the same character, like it's not many times you where you'd say like ah, that's gonna work. But like this one is fine with me. Yeah. Um, Dominic uh, Cooper, he has all like the debonair, devil make hair stuff. Yeah. Like he has all the RDJ in him, uh, almost, and it it, it just it hurts because he, while he is just like Tony, an asshole at points, he definitely has a heart just like Tony. Mm-hmm. It's hard to look at that man and say like that's the guy who's going to like kind of sort of emotionally neglect his son, <laughs> you know? Like that's the guy who's gonna get to the point where his son thinks like, almost like he doesn't even like love him. You know, when Iron Man 2, if it wasn't for, like, finding that uh, hidden tape where he's like, you're my greatest invention, like, Tony was not a real big fan of how he was raised by his father. So, like, Dominic Cooper seems like a cool dad. So I just wonder, like, what happens between Dominic Cooper and John Slattery. And then you have, what is it, um, December 16th, 1991, and yeah. there goes Howard Stark. Uh, Yeah. I yeah, was surprised that they were in this as much. Like, I guess to some degree, you also have to, to some degree, you have to reconcile um, old John Slattery that you get like in Civil War with Dominic Cooper that you get in First Avenger and Agent Carter with 
the in-between John Slattery that you get in Endgame with Jarvis. Right. Right. Um, and I, I'm going to, immediately after this cast, watch that scene. Because... <laughs> Because I could imagine that that must have been the most rewarding thing if you were an Agent Carter fan. Yes. I, that must have that, that, waved that, over you. For for me, as someone who was just like, who watched all of these shows get just stricken from the canon, I was like, yes, yeah. Agent Carter made it. I'm, I'm telling you, when they showed that Swamp Thing cameo in the crisis and they're like, the earth <laughs> still exists, I was like, it's still, he's still alive. It's real. Everything I, I watched was real, guys. All right. So you guys got to watch it at some point, too. Look, it exists. It's real. Um, so, yeah, you have Dominic Cooper. Like I said, he's re- kind of replaced or playing his role from um, Captain America, the first Avenger. And we saw through that that he has a very kind of. Uh, what do you, I, I don't want to say lo- a love for Cap. He has a respect, a rapport with Steve Rogers, uh, Howard Stark does. Yes. Um, he definitely respects the man, and therefore he respects uh, Agent Carter. Um, as we saw What's in... A- Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, as we saw in um, Captain America, the first Avenger, he's out there looking for it. And he's out there looking for Tony, or sorry, uh, Steve. You know, in in the Arctic, you know, spending X amount of dollars and X amount of manpower out there looking for this man. Um, And so when we're come off of this case, both of these people, uh, Peggy Carter, who should be a national treasure for helping, uh, you know, Captain America stop the whole Red Skull Hydra madness. And Howard Stark, who helped, you know, fund and and create some of the weaponry and, and some of the defense mechanisms against that are kind of well she's being looked down because she's a woman howard starts this season as being looked at as a traitor supposedly uh he has sold some of his most dangerous devices to people abroad uh but when she meets up with him he tells her that oh no no they've just been stolen i i have i think he called them baddies i have like bad <laughs> bad inventions inventions that are dangerous and I keep them all in a, in a secure building or a secure location. And recently that building was raided. Right. Uh, so who knows where these things are? And I love that Peggy's like, why you say like you have dangerous inventions, but why would you invent something that you know is going to be dangerous? And he's like, I can't help, you know, being a creator. Mm. And I like kind of, I kind of like bought that. Like, cause at the time it sounds like a pretty straight up question. Yeah, you know, like I have to, I, you know, all I I created all these different cancers. Why, <laughs> you know, like we wouldn't have to be searching for these things if you didn't create them. Why did you create them? He's just a creator, um, and so it based season one is basically, uh, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter doing her best to clear the name of Howard Stark with uh, the assistance of James Darcy as edwin jarvis mm-hmm. uh who we meet in the flesh for the first time in this show yes what do you, you think about old jarvis i enjoyed him very much like I, I i just totally get down with that sort of like um british straight man thrown into ridiculous situations but with a with a sharp tongue yes it's, um, a, it's a classic they, but it always gets me they they're they're cute in a weird old British sitcom <laughs> kind of way, you know, where they could both be drowning and still find a way to like, you know, be sarcastic about it or whatever. 
Like, well, Jarvis, you know, uh, you did say you fancy some pool time. And then Jarvis would be like, yes, yes. And you was always a great swimmer. And then they'll just be drowning. But they'll have, like, the the, the coolest attitudes throughout. Um, I think uh, Jarvis is best when he's emotional. The two times in which uh, his wife was brought up, like, that moved me. Like, when he's in the interrogation. And they're like they're gonna they're gonna um, deport her. Yeah, they're like we we will we will deport you. We'll deport her. Uh, you you did you committed all kinds of treason, and like the look on his face, he he does a good like stirring anger. And I guess it's because he's always the straight man, so that you know you don't really expect that from him. But the first time that he's being interrogated like that, and he's like crying behind his eyes, I'm like, oh no, this is <laughs> something bad's gonna happen here. <laughs> uh, the actor, the actor made it a point not to study Paul Bettany's performance. Do you feel like that's a positive or a negative? Uh, probably, and it, it's, it's just one of those things where, like, for one thing, you know, how much is it a study if you're just sort of studying a voice pattern, and then if that's all you have to go on, all you have to go on is like trying to, but not trying to imitate that pattern, and then what am I doing? Yeah, and one could even argue that Tony. I mean, look at look at how old they're all now. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, when does I mean this is I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you remember what time they went back to get the pin particles in Endgame? That was like the 70s, right? Yeah, I think so. 60s. Right. So that's about that's about 30 years uh, into the future is when Howard's gonna have Tony. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that Tony's memories of Jarvis aren't sharp, right? right? <laughs> so it wouldn't be a one for one match. It would be what he could remember. Yeah, if it, Jarvis got to be sixty, he would be sixty by the time Tony's born. He'd be sixty you know, so by the time he's twenty. You know, there are there are a few ways to kind of extrapolate it in the sense that either either Jarvis's voice is created simply off of like um, frequencies, uh, mem- like memories of the voice put through frequencies that he could put through the machine, or right. like, or you know old audio recordings that he could find which are probably not of the best quality right and that that ends up becoming a a jarvis soundboard yeah create a voice pattern that is similar but not exactly accurate right uh yeah i i I like his little relationship with peggy i'm gonna say something extremely controversial but so brave i won't yes at one point i thought that they were trying to give peggy three different love interests (laughs) okay and I don't know. I'm speaking now candidly to you because I don't know if that's like my weird hang up with a female lead. But I thought she had chemistry with Jarvis. I know she has chemistry with uh, Sousa. Am yeah. I that right? Yes. Sousa. Because like a sous chef. Sousa. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sousa. Um, and then I, I was saying that she had a little bit with Jack Thompson. Um, in the first season, <laughs> when she's talking to Jack Thompson, and Thompson's like, you know, this is what really happened, and they had that long conversation. She's like, you're not as bad as you, as you know, they say you are. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? What's going on? Right. Something, something going on here? And I swore that they were going to play uh, like a weird love triangle game with Jarvis, his wife, and Peggy, oh, because man. there's multiple there's multiple times where Jarvis is like actively trying to conceal the fact that he's helping Peggy, mm-hmm. but there's way too much 
evidence <laughs> uh, there for his very smart and very capable wife to put together. Right. And I don't. I, I just didn't know how she was interpreting it. You know, it's very easy to just be like, wow, he's spending a lot of time with that woman. Yeah, very easy. Um, I just, you know, I found this when I was rewatching it. And actually, like, um, I had just gotten through the last three episodes today because I had a snafu with it and I didn't and I just lost time. <laughs> Isn't that one of the episodes named Snafu? It might be, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So in that, I got as I was watching one of the episodes, one of them is the scene where they're both at a hospital because his wife had gotten shot in the end of the second season. Right. And they do the whole, and they do the two things. They do the scene where like the two of them hold hands while they're at the hospital. I'm just like, I know that's a plutonic scene, but there's a piece of my mind. that's just like television (laughs) writers are wonky people are weird people. And this could get wonky. And I think that was all it is. You know, there's certain framing shots that are meant to communicate. Yes. Certain things. And I think that that a lot of times they were in situations and I was like, oh, you know, like th- this is playful banter that's going to eventually turn into like, wow, I remember when you were there for me, you know, for yeah. all those years. And that and maybe something can develop from that. But then I started to feel dirty. I'm like, she's not <laughs> anything to be one. You know, she's not a, a tool to be one by these men that are here. She can stand alone and be independent if she wants to. Um which I guess then we will have to bring in Enver uh, Gojag. Am I saying that right? I, Enver I couldn't even tell you. Gojag as Daniel Sousa. Sousa, yes. A war veteran who is an agent with SSR and experiences prejudice due to his crippled leg. Um, he is the de facto, I'm assuming, love interest in this. How do you feel about Sousa? Uh, Sousa's cool. I, I I kept wondering how he remains employed because it's like the man can barely get around. Right, and they almost make it a point to just be like, "Ugh, Sousa." Yeah. yeah. So like whenever whenever they film like a chase scene with him, I'm just like, "Good God, this is hard to watch." <laughs> At the end, in the last episode where he's tying himself up to that rope, I'm like, "You have pretty good balance." Right. That scene. You figured this whole thing out. Um, I've also been like, I, I also wonder. This is obviously a a weird uh, uh, tangent to go down, but I wonder if it's uncomfortable walking as if you can't walk. I imagine it is, especially when you have to like lean on something, lean on that old apparatus, like that, like the first ever crutch, yeah, that was ever made. <laughs> it's like stones and string tied together. <laughs> um, the, when the season one ends, apparently, I guess Agent Carter gave. Susa the cold shoulder uh, but the way season two picks up it's like i missed something like the animosity i'm like what what's the beef what happened did i miss did i miss like this big turn down when he was she was like no i'm gonna focus on myself i'm not sure because then they do like they do not only the passage of time but you get the passage of time montage where they're chasing down Dottie underwood yes yep yeah. um in that time, he's able to find another woman, move into a house, get a new position in the SSR, mm-hmm. right? Like, all of that happens, and she still manages to see through it and be like, no, you're still hung up on Peggy. And I'm like, what happened there? What happened with the Peggyness of it all? If I can remember correctly, like, things ended with Jarvis and Peggy the last season. You know, again, you know, sparking my curiosity there. Yeah. But I, th- I thought that it was gonna be those that thing where like you know where barry dated felicity for a bit 
and then you kind of just figure out they're like you know what we were not really all that great for each other yeah um i still i still miss um what was her name patty spivet patty spivet yes I love that woman, man. <laughs> love that. I, I love her. I don't give a damn. We're doing tangents here. I love her calling him out. I yeah. love her pretending that she's in a train accident, uh, having the flash show up, and she heard like, well, I'm the only person I told that was in this accident was Barry. So, um, Musically enough, musically enough, the two teased love interests of Barry Allen, I enjoyed more than the actual one they do in the show. That's crazy. And the thing is, I, I, I agree, and I think that that's part of the show's odd construction. Is that I, I honestly believe that Spivet, maybe, maybe Felicity, but I know definitely Spivet. They went to great lengths to show you how happy she makes Barry. Yes. And they go to great lengths to show how capable she is as a person on her own, where I feel like the iris of it all, we're supposed to kind of just go with because we know the mythos. Like, right. you know, these guys are together forever. So he loves her. It's not. A, don't you get it? Don't you get that he loves her? It's like, I get it. I just don't feel it. And I feel no, I do feel that he loves her. but I don't feel like this is worth it. <laughs> all, all this that's going on over here on this side. So uh, as a cat fan, can you see Sousa? Uh, you know, stepping in those shoes, becoming uh, Mr. Carter. Uh, I mean, he can try if he can keep up, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it, it's you know it's it's kind of tough because you put um, the movie and the show puts Peggy on such a pedestal that you're almost like you you really need someone to step up there, and even Peggy's just like most of these dudes are just not for me or in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I was trying to put my finger on what it was that wasn't hooking me. And I, what you just said um, kind of personifies it, which is there's this moment where they do like a slow motion walkout, right? It's mm-hmm. her. Uh, I think it's her, Sousa, um, Rose, Jarvis, the scientist man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I just realized that, like, because of who she is and because of the narrative of of Agent Carter, Peggy Carter, mm-hmm. they kind of surrounded her with a bunch of, like, limp noodles. <laughs> like, you know, like a bunch of not necessarily what you would consider a classic heroes. Yes. You know, um, Jarvis is incredibly in his own head about manners and, and what's right and what's wrong. Um, and probably, you know, we saw him try to throw a punch. <laughs> he was working on his uh, jujitsu. Yes, I think she freaking tossed his ass. She tossed his ass across the room. Um, Souza again, you know, constantly being saved by Peggy Carter, uh-huh. um, and then a bunch of people who was just kind of working in the office. So I guess I wish there was another. I wish she didn't have to be the best there, and there was something better that raised her higher. It, if that like, makes sense. Arguably, and I mean, and this speaks to your suspicions before, but the only one who seems to be painted as like a person of competence is Thompson, but he's yeah. such a douchebag that you don't super want to super douchey, super douchey. <laughs> don't want let's to consider talk, the fact. Let's talk about Chad Michael Murray. I was very surprised to see Chad Michael Murray here as Jack Thompson. The last time I saw this man, he was on One Tree Hill, which was like. 15 years ago, probably. I, I'd never seen the myself. actor before, actually. 
dating myself. Just like, he was like the James Vanderbeek of our of our day. Oh, was he? Just one of those. Yeah, he was one of those. Like, okay, I'm, I'm looking star at, of a of a show. I'm looking at yeah. pictures now, and I see I see heartthrob Chad. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That <laughs> That's is a the, completely different person than what I saw on the show. Yeah, he has. I don't know about the look yet, but he has a tremendous voice. Like, he has a really good by the book, a regular, you know, a voice. Like, I mean, I was hearing him, and I was like, I kind of. He sounds like a man of action. Like, right. He sounds like a man who knows what the hell he's talking about, even when he doesn't. Um, <laughs> and it's got to be probably um, cathartic to play somebody actively trying to make you not like them as opposed to playing somebody that you, is kind of begging for you to like them. Right, right. In One Tree Hill. Um, and so he's he is actually being described by Chad Michael Murray, Jack Thompson has, as being chauvinistic and chest puffing. Mm. Um so it that was always on it that he had a chip on his shoulder. He was trying to raise up in the ranks um, and stuff. And then this all this other stuff comes out about, and it's kind of sad. It, it comes out about basically he fell asleep on duty, and because he fell asleep, his camp was overrun, and because his camp was overrun, his uh, sergeant almost got his throat slit. But in the nick of time, he was able to massacre all the incoming enemies. And thus he was given a, I don't know if he was given a purple heart, but he was given an, an, a, a medal. Right. A medal of honor. Um, and so basically it was like, yeah, they wouldn't have gotten that close to kill if you would have been awake. So it's so, like, so, it's, yeah. it's not like he got congratulated for his failure. You started, you started a fire by accident and then saved all your loved ones from inside. Yeah. <laughs> and so people were like, look at him. He saved all his loved ones from the fire. It's like, yeah, I kind of started the fire. Um, what, what were you? Did uh, Thompson jumps around a lot? I feel in both seasons, as far as his uh loyalties are concerned. Mm-hmm. Was he somebody that you wanted to eventually like? Were you were you down to write him off for being how he's been throughout the series? I don't I don't want to say eventually like, but I'm always I was always down for him to be like to you know improve as a person. <laughs> okay, you know that shows your optimism there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it, and it, it also goes to show, like, of everybody I talked to, besides everybody I talked about, sorry, besides um, Jarvis, none of them have female counterparts. No, Jack Johnson's not out there, you know, trying to bag any. Which is why, I guess, again, my mind goes, oh, I guess he's reserved for maybe the start of the show, right? Uh, um, so. I guess and even, and even with Jarvis, you only hear about the wife for the first season, right? And I was, I did not think it was going to come back around. Yeah, but it totally did. I was like, wow. Um, I guess the question I'm asking is, <laughs> did they take the model that was badass, strong, um, capable, independent Peggy Carter with? small skinny <laughs> sickly steve and kind of just like expand it by having S- Souza be um he has a leg right yeah yeah he, yeah, he has a leg, a leg. it's <laughs> just bad it's just bad okay yeah but you're gonna send like these other maligned so-and-so heroes do you think that's what they did like, i think it's like, the well, idea you know, I-, I think it's the idea that and as and, you know this kind of comes up later i think Peggy Carter, in her history, has developed just a deeper respect for men 
who are fighting some sort of how do you say um handicap like up like an uphill battle yeah some sort of handicap yeah yeah i i, I can see that yeah so like cuz they you almost need more grit to do that yeah. than you would to operate a normal life yeah cuz like yeah. like she's in the military like all she knows is well able bodied grunts just you know <laughs> ready to yeah, go out and do it yeah dime a dozen um what's interesting about that is that even in the first uh, scene that you see, I keep uh, Susa. <laughs> even in the first Sousa. scene where you see Susa, mm-hmm. Susa, um, it, it's portrayed in a way to show that they care as much about her as they do about him. Like you understand, know like that that in in a in an able bodied Caucasian centric <laughs> uh, right. environment, <laughs> uh, in an able bodied male dominated caucasian centric environment right <laughs> it's the able bodied men you know it's the able bodied uh it's the able bodied white men than everybody else so susa gets lumped in with agent carter they treat her they give him as much credibility in that first season as her you know that they're not trying to listen to what he's saying or any of that kind of stuff which mm. is weird cuz i'm assuming he lost his or he injured his leg in battle so you would think that would earn you some stripes but um, you know he 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 had. I think my favorite Sousa moment is when he gives that speech about um coming into the diner and getting clapped for, right? That he says his disability basically makes people feel so uncomfortable that they have to kind of like congratulate him in a weird way. And I get that. Like I totally get um, like not knowing how to feel in that situation, not knowing what to do, feeling. Uh, grateful for any kind of praise as, as a soldier myself like I, I understand how some people want to thank you for certain things but I also understand how sometimes it's not the time or the place um, and with Sousa he he still manages to reach pretty high heights he becomes the SSR leader for the western branch Is it? do they go by branches uh, the west side SSR <laughs> I guess so west side west coast chapter uh, Yes, the West Coast chapter. So he doesn't let anything really get in his way. But I, I wondered if that was thematic. And I think that's what it's what you're saying. It's that when you live in a world where everybody can basically do whatever they want so long as they're breathing white and male, yeah. Um, you you find more interest in those who still manage to do what they want when uh, the rules are not necessarily in their favor. Yeah, and um you know, it it, it doesn't help that like it's not just that it's 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 a systematic undertone of who gets a favor and who doesn't, but it's very much outwardly enforced. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's very clear yeah. who doesn't get favor. Right. Well, I mean, you saw the all-girls house. Yeah. Right? Good Lord. And you can't bring guys upstairs or, you know, who knows what you'll be doing. Oh, my God. Um, uh, loved, 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 uh, even though I think she's there for the exact amount of time as she needs to be loved uh Lindsay fonseca as angie martellini the diner chick uh-huh who was always like hey english like she's always <laughs> just she's she's literally out of a out of a flash funk you know like this, like this is she's out of a diner she's i'm almost waiting of, for it of, to be, i'm almost waiting for it to be on roller skates yes 100 percent. she killed the look she killed the act she killed you know all of it um and I knew with her was going to come the obligatory 
look at how trash men were to waitresses uh, scene. Um, and I love that that scene continued with uh, Agent Carter threatening to bleed a man out in a diner. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I love the scene with the fork. <laughs> yeah, I was like, she just threatened to bleed him out. She's just going to gut him and bleed him out here in this diner right by the blueberry pies. Um, we need to go back to that system where you could put a coin into a, uh, that thing and get a slice of pie. Mm. I was looking at that. And I was a bit jealous. They could put like a coin. There's like a whole wall of pies, each with their own individual door. And all you got to do is put a coin in. It unlocks the door. You take your pie. It's all good. I was like, I, I wish I, I had that. Uh, I like pie. <laughs> um I also was a big fan of Shay Wingham as Roger Dooley, the uh, chief, the the chief in season one. Yes, he. I was getting. I was definitely getting um, same kind of caricature vibes from him in the beginning. Uh, he's very much a New York com- police commissioner, right? Like every every police commissioner thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what I thought brought it home as a performance was when his his men are killed. Uh, and Agent Carter comes in and everyone's kind of sad. And he basically declares war on Tony Stark. Oh, Howard Stark. Yes. And you can see the pain in his eyes. You can see that he wants revenge, but he also wants to make sure that no one else dies on his watch. There was a lot of pathos in his declaring of war against Howard Stark because it wasn't, all in anger. There was a, a, a tremendous amount of sadness um, there. And even, it also goes to show, like, even if you're an asshole, no one necessarily wants you to die. Like, there was some asshole cops that got got. Um, <laughs> but but that, that that team is still that team. And um, having him, like, so clear-cut be like, you know what? Nope. Now we ain't resting. He went to he went to Russia, didn't he? He went to Russia by himself. Yeah, to go find out more stuff to get Howard Stark locked up. That's how motivated my man was. And then they gave him basically the equivalency of a freaking electric blanket, and he jumped out of a window <laughs> because they uh, they tied him to that um, self destructing Faustus. Made him put on that self destructing uh, what you call it. Oh, like, the, a, like a bulletproof vest thing. The, the the big heat vest. Yes, yes. And so he sacrifices himself like a hero, and um, it it was oh it was always going to be. Um, he was always going to die in season one. Yeah, I found out. So he was literally the cop a couple of days away from retirement. <laughs> like that was that was literally his thing. I think that's my um, favorite episode. The one where he says, "Oh, he declares war," or where he jumps out the window. Oh, the moment he jumps out the window. It's just like the whole thing is well yeah. done. And then it comes comes around to like, crap, they got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, don't, does, and he has like a moment with his wife, because him and his wife are not getting along. Am yeah. I thinking of the right person? Yeah, and he calls her, and he's like trying to get, and I was just like, there's, there's something, because initially it looked like all he was doing was condoning all of the harassment that took place in the SSR. Mm-hmm. He looked like a, just another one of the guys that was doing that. But as it continues, you can kind of see that he does kind of like um, Agent Carter. Yeah. A bit. And like almost slowly, because there's, there's, little, there's little bits of moments where he just allows her to, allows her to be indulged and she, she lands with something. And like over time, it's like he's working her over. Yeah. 
I mean, she's yeah. working him over because like he's uh, he's starting to come around on the idea that like this like Carter might be you know worth something useful. <laughs> yeah, useful something past uh, lunch orders. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy though. Like all of the people here like her, but on a on a whim, <laughs> will turn on her <laughs> if there's any if there's even a slight suggestion that she might be a spy. You know, um, Sousa is not happy that she takes these missions on her own. Yeah. You know, he is not a fan. And when it's found out that it did, it is her because of a bullet. Every time that they went to go do like forensics, I was like, what is forensics in the 1940s? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are the odds that you're going to find anything that you, you know, anything like a, 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 a high definition picture, blood samples, any of that stuff. I don't think they did blood samples at any point in the show. As, I don't know if they're up to DNA stuff. As someone who played L.A. Noir, it's a lot of like going to a shop and checking the bookies' books. <laughs> you Which know. was the most concrete evidence you had back in the yeah. his name right here. Yeah, like, okay, we found the gun. Fantastic. Where was the gun sold? Okay, let's go over there. You got <laughs> show me every yeah. show me everyone you sold to. All your written receipts, please. <laughs> Can I see all of your written receipts? Um yeah, so I was wondering about that, like, because at the one point I think uh, Sousa goes to the one of the phones that calls a tip, and he's just like patting it down for, um, patting it down for fingerprints. Yeah, and then he just bumps into some old people. He's like, you know what? I'll just ask these old people what they saw, <laughs> or these homeless people, what they saw. Uh, so I was wondering, you know, what at what stage of policing they were in the 1940s? It seems like it was a lot of hunches. Back a lot of hunches and a lot of secret organizations. A lot of hunches, a lot of secret organizations, a lot of a lot of footwork. A lot of footwork. Um, um did you have a prefer- preferential villain? Yes. Uh if you can call her that, I loved Dottie Underwood. Okay. <laughs> I love Dottie Underwood. First of all, did not call it at all. Uh Iowa, you know, this is just a chick from when they introduced her, I obviously knew that she was gonna be something. I thought that most likely because she was a small town girl, she might be uh fridged, <laughs> even though they're not dating. Yeah. But this idea that this idea that you would introduce somebody that we would kinda like and then kill her off. When she murders that man in uh in the fir- the first episode where she does anything nefarious, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. What I liked way more. I understand that she is a sleeper agent, but I she's also very cognizant in what she's doing. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's no like I'm falling asleep, I'm doing what I gotta do, and then I don't understand what's going on. They program me this way. She remembers all her training. Yes. You know, she remembers all those things that she went through. Um, and I thought that that was incredibly compelling. In doing some deep dives, it's not um it's not a uh, a guess or a question she is a black widow yes i didn't know this <laughs> yes i didn't know that at, they were, at they first were so it, with it. at first it was at first it was seemingly implied that she was the um yelena benelova character before they before they actually casted her for the movie now okay that has yet to ever come out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so did you know like was there anything that you were picking up on that was like oh she might be a black widow? Um not not so much later on where it was like all the training and like the um the time away cuz I think she makes reference to it. But okay. I didn't know it at the time. Uh 
I remember later just looking up like looking up the Dottie reference of it all between Cap and Bucky, and I was just like, did they go in with that? That's wild. <laughs> yeah, you spoke about um there's this moment where this is at the at the World Fair, I'm I'm assuming, or was this or is this the one in Civil War? I think it's in Civil War. Because I, I, I think I, about I, it, Cap is Bucky. misremembering everything about Civil War and putting it. I, I think it's Civil War because Cap and because technically Cap and Bucky really, really have time on screen together. Yeah, that's why I thought it was the World's Fair in in Cap, but I do think it's Civil War. They're in the back of the of the helicarrier or whatever. They're in the back of the um, Quinjet, and they start like kind of um, having small talk. Right, that's what brings up the whole Dottie thing. Uh, that that um, that old Buckster used to mess around with a girl named Dottie, and if Bucky was brought in to the Winter Soldier program, you know, Dottie, and then you then he also has connections with Black Widow apparently that we haven't uh, reached yet, so it all seems to be uh, kind of connected. Yes, I loved her. Um, she was very good at playing cold. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, and I felt like, a lot of the other stuff is like to me at my age. Looking back, sometimes this like secret or secret foreign organization stuff is a bit much for me. Sure, you know, uh, because I know that that's that mostly started out of paranoia. Yeah, and it's the oldest joke. Propaganda and paranoia, right? Par- propaganda and paranoia. So I liked Dottie way more when she became kind of a- autonomous. Yes. Uh, um, but she was a force, you know, even when you first see, saw her. And initially, they they didn't want to even, like, hint at the Black Widow stuff. Like, they were thinking about giving her red hair, but then they were like, no, because, you know, the Natasha thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they trained, she trained with the same, like, fight choreographer mm. as uh, Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Um, and then later on, straight up, when, you know, when Peggy recruits her, she straight up is wearing red and black. Yes, she did wearing the uh, Black Widow colors, um, and the the this is I found this interesting. But the female showrunner said that the character of Dottie Underwood doesn't quite understand what it's like to be a normal woman, um, and so therefore she's intrigued by Agent Carter. I can see it. Like just the whole idea of her is 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 interesting to her, and I do honestly think that that's how she played it. Mm-hmm. She never really played it with a level of malice. No. Or a level of like, I got to get that Agent Carter. It, it, no. She she was very cold and then sometimes amused, slightly amused. If anything, in the second season, she's just like, she just keeps playing with everyone. Just like, none of you are as good as her. Yeah. I'm bored. Where's yeah. Peggy? Oh, that's another thing that they had mentioned that she had never been beaten up until that point. Yes. And so the idea that a normal woman... A woman, let her, you know, let her know, being a normal woman, right, uh, would do that to her, you know, would send her. Well, at least you know it's a combination of like anger but respect because it's like ain't nobody done this to me before, right? Um, my daddy scene is her, in um, her about to get tortured, and she's like, I pulled out my own fingernails, yeah, I pulled out my own hair, I burned myself with a torch. I'm like, oh my god, girl, like. I was just gonna let her go. You know what? You, you that's a good point. <laughs> You're free to go. It's like nothing I can do. Nothing uh, you can do except bore me. I was just like, damn. Stone, just a stone cold demeanor. Like she was killing, uh, killing that role there. And I totally get 
um, wanting another female antagonist and someone that uh, Peggy can punch. Right. But guys all day, you necessarily you don't necessarily want to see those bad guys. But someone needs to punch back. back, and then that becomes weird and. Exactly, and so having her have somebody like Dottie, and like it's it they they uh, what's her face ends up becoming another. They're like three sides to the same coin, like, oh, some weird three sided coin. But um, the juxtaposition, I think it started with um, Dottie, where they show their their upbringings, right? Yes, they 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 compare their upbringings. I think later on you see the. Um, young adult lives of both uh, Whitney Frost and Peggy. Right. But I think the first comparison is the childhood upbringings of um, Peggy and Miss Dottie. And like I said, with with, with the whole uh, spy training, that was all by the book. That was all, um, like, the way she looks back on everything, everything is just matter of fact. Yeah. Like, watching her, you know, watching them trade bread that they stole and then didn't she kill a girl didn't she kill that girl that gives her the bread i think she did yeah they had like a, a, a sparring match and she just she killed her i i like the unhinged female characters i don't think they we have enough i think sometimes the unhinged female character can turn into the um manic kind of you know like right manic dramatic kind of thing mm-hmm. and I like the sinister. Like I totally dug um, Alice Eve as Typhoid Mary, right? In I think it was Iron Fist season two. Yes, uh, and it, she just nailed it. And it's like that's a dangerous woman. I don't want to mess around with her. Um, and neither one are like overt, like neither one are using like overt sexuality, which you would think in in a time you know with females that they'll be doing that. I mean. Dottie acts a little dumb sometimes, cute sometimes, but um, she she acts the way you know she knows men expect her to act, right? Which is the exact opposite of Peggy. Yes, that's what I that's what I want to ask you. You asked me my favorite villain. What is your favorite Peggy disguise? <laughs> that's a, that's my question. Oh, again, yeah, like, that's to, a tough... to give you some to give you some time to think. My favorite is uh uh the one that works at the milk factory or whatever <laughs> she has the glasses she has the lab coat and the that was the first time i ever heard her talk like full sentences in english like english accent oh american accent oh, oh that was the, that was your first american accent for her yeah and i was like i was like that's kind of cool like i, I just never had seen her speak with an american accent i was like oh yeah that's kind of cool like she's even british in black mirror like i've seen her in black mirror and she's british there too <laughs> so seeing her there i just thought that was great obviously the blonde was pretty cool uh, but any come to mind for you? Um, you know, the first one I think of is that made me laugh was when um, she was. No, no, I think we're thinking of the same thing. Oh, when she's with the glasses and the and the lab coat and yelling at the. Yeah, that was the first one that comes to my mind where she just shows up with a chart <laughs> out of nowhere and she starts telling people about themselves. Yeah, she not only like she has like a slight New York accent, which is also kind of weird too, because yes. it's like. Like you're very British, but you're able to pull off that American with the slight New York accent. I thought that was great. Um, it's also that any kind it's of also this other weird look she has, like with the bangs. Yes, I feel like the Agent Carter look is like ninety percent hair, because yeah. you change that hair and she com- becomes a completely different person. Yeah, that's a lot of so those I, changes. 
So I uh, that definitely. Uh, Oof. Um, how basically, how, we're ending, go ahead. I was gonna say, how did you feel about uh, Miss Whitney Frost? I liked her. I felt like maybe this show went on too long. <laughs> oh, okay. But I so we had too also, many episodes now. Yes, to make it to make it uh, more concise, I'll start by saying that I wasn't a huge fan of uh, what's his face. Of uh, it's coming, it's coming. Doctor Jason Wilkes. Okay. Because so that, again, that love interest did nothing for you. Well, now, now, because again, I had thought I had the three love interests. Okay. Right? So then, so then, the first episode of the next season, you introduce another man who might who might be into this. When I know her original love is Steve. Mm-hmm. And I know that she still kind of has something for Sosa. I'm not. I'm on the fence about Thompson, <laughs> and now we have Wilkes. So I'm sitting here like, what is going on with all so, this? So going into season two, are you still expecting either Thompson? Uh, are you you're still expecting the foot to drop to either on either Thompson or Jarvis? Uh, yes. Okay. Or or, or and kind of Sosa too, because um, I had. For some reason, I don't know if it's someone like maybe I saw it or something, or maybe too many people were talking about it. But I have it in my head that that they are the couple, right? Like some, you know, like I don't know if it's uh, some kind of weird osmosis where I saw it somewhere else, right? But like they seem to have the most to work with. And we ignore um, the and we ignore the fact that the actor has a has a small face moment in Avengers. Yes, <laughs> I feel like. I, but what they do though, they do manage to come back around again and give Sousa a cameo. Not cameo. He plays himself in Agents of Shield. Yes, they go back um, in time, and yeah, yeah. So Weirdness. he got he got he got to do that, which was pretty fun. But um, I I I wanted more about being black and a scientist in the forties. Okay, I thought that would have been really interesting. Um, but it becomes it gets kind of hairy like some some people saw this as a potential show that could highlight the uh minority driven accomplishments of the that era okay like um at one point someone mentioned like do they miss the opportunity to mention the women fighters of world war 2 you know to showcase something like that and at one point uh you know she has a that roommate that gets killed she was talking about working in, you know, working with the military sure. and then getting laid off once soldiers came back. Yes. You know, but it's, it's like said and then kind of like left. The interesting thing about that I find is that and I don't even know how I can put this on Disney because I don't know if they bought in property at that by that yet. But the Marvel World War Two is a lot more idealistic than the real one. Right. <laughs> so clean cut. Yeah, it's real clean cut, and like everyone got along. Yeah, you know, there's a small, there's a funny comment in it, but at the end of the day, like Dum Dum Dugan is very much like you know uh, working alongside um, the other fellow whose name I forget, but he's you know he's from Fresno. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. So he, and and and, and Dum Dum is still is still heavily drinking. The war's over. Yeah. My man's still heavily drinking. He's still heavily rated. Totally ask that man what's going on, what's going on in his life. You know, but he's like, got some things going on. My, my point being that, like, like there's there seems to be no issues with race in World War II and Captain America because they're all working alongside each other. 
right and the howling commandos is um you know on purpose extremely uh diverse, diverse. yes there's so, all kinds of just like the warriors three like they you know there there's there's diversity there yeah you know it doesn't make much sense that one of them is asian but it is uh, <laughs> right 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 so i i assume that there just isn't that problem so in the marvel universe everyone is things are slightly less shitty than in our real world <laughs> To the point world, that, that that for some reason World War Two is very much cleaned up, but the real world, the rest of us, right. yeah, on the street level are pretty shitty still. Yeah, and it's you know, it's weird because I, I I totally get what you're saying. Agent Carter is is doing its best to create a commentary about the times and how times have changed, mm-hmm. but also to show us where we were at one point. Yeah, but you're right. There's other really big. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay anybody's you know um, fight social fight. No, but there's other social fights that are uh, that have occurred in history that Marvel has never touched. Yeah, and so like how do you how do you agree to portray this injustice in a means to inform your audience, but then the other ones oh that didn't happen in our universe like right. there's no Martin Luther King in the Martin in the in the in the MCU right you know like and I. I Prove me wrong. I don't know if there's any proof that there has been a Martin Luther King in in uh, the MCU. I mean, but is he not? Is he not on the list? He might be on the list. I, if Falcon is a good American, he's on the list. <laughs> hey, we'll hey Steve, you definitely got to look up this Martin Luther King thing. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just brother, saying. I'm just pretty, saying. It's pretty cool, bro. He's pretty cool. You should check him out. It doesn't end um, well, but you should. You, for a while, there was a ride. How do you feel about uh, Jason Wilkes, aka Reggie Austin? Uh, I I thought he was a, I thought he was a a nice enough standard for a bit at least just to give someone for I guess it was the first time you got Peggy to openly have a romantic interest instead of just like d- deeply you know tucking in these seated feelings. Yeah. Oh, uh, we got to talk about her finding um uh Steve's blood. Oh, that was <laughs> oh, that was awful. I do like that with the Steve's blood conversation and even with the uh, zero matter mm-hmm. conversation that Howard is openly just trying to make money. Yes. Like he, he's, he's out. Like Tony's a bit more sheepish, you know, like mm-hmm. he knows it's wrong where Howard's all like, listen, like, <laughs> this is what I do. This is my business. Um, of course, we're going to have that. Of course, I was going to hold on to the, he's a super soldier. Of course, I'm going to hold on to his blood. Um, right. And and then they give it to Peggy. The uh, Jarvis steals it. Yes, gives it to Peggy as a as a good friend and as a horrible butler. And and uh, and Howard, knowing what happened, will never ask. No, uh, he gives it. He gives it to Peggy, and she throws it, heart of the ocean style, into the water. Yes. How do you feel about that? Um, there's a super shark out there, and I don't want to wonder how that <laughs> just, how that ends. Uh, Is there a shark character in Marvel? Uh, DC no, has I know King of- Shark is a shark. I must say, I know King Shark's a shark. Yes. DC <laughs> has two of them, but Marvel doesn't have any. How do you have two? DC also has way too many ape villains. That's probably true. <laughs> There's a lot of monkey based uh, monkeying around on that side. Yes. But that's what I'm saying. I'm th- so I'm sitting here, and when this happens, when, when they introduce Whitney Frost, played by Win Everett, mm-hmm. um, you know who that, that is. That whole right? storyline. Who the actress is or who Whitney Frost is? Whitney Frost. I saw that she is Madam Mask. Yes. 
who is just uh, but an I have odd no choice. With her. I've only seen her once, and that was in um the Hawkeye book, not the okay. Barton one. Does she have powers? No, not that I think. No. Not that I remember. Okay, I think she's just wait, like smart. That, and that whole. How do you watch that zero matter stuff and not feel like symbiote? You know, I didn't. I I can get why you think symbiote because there was a lot of scenes that would definitely give that off. I just remember thinking yeah. when I first saw the scene where like the um the rift opens up and it sucks everything in. Yeah, I was just like, oh man, my crime drama went supernatural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they first they show the footage of it, right? This yes. footage of an experiment where this rip, op- this rift opens up and starts to pull a bunch of things into it. Um, and when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is like this is a hard left on everything we were just kind of reading." Even though Leviathan and all that stuff, it, it can be a little bit fantastical. It, it was kind of rooted in realism. Yes. Um, how, how did you feel about uh, Faustus meeting Zola at the end of that? That was a cool moment. It will never yeah. go anywhere, but it was a cool moment. So, so the rumor was, although it doesn't go anywhere, I uh, guess you're supposed to be led to believe that it goes to Bucky. Are you okay? And, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be. Le- I know I have that thing here somewhere, but it's um, it's something about, uh, yeah, that 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 the Winter Soldier program is a program created by Zola that is headed. Or co-headed by a Faustus. I could. I, so I guess I can see why if you're under. suggesting that Faustus creates the mind control technique. Yes, that's yes. Okay. I thought I had the thing here somewhere. No, it um, it it it, it, yeah. it kind of puzzles itself together. Is that is, is that is that too cute for you, or can you hang with that? Uh, no, n- nothing is too cute. Then Peter Parker is the little boy in Iron Man too. <laughs> that was a that was a there was a lot of cuteness. I still I still like guys. No, stop it. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were saying that that basically that was supposed to be the, the lead into that. Like that that Zola would find a way to free him and then to use their powers together to create the Winter Soldier. Because America um, is the land of opportunity. Yes, <laughs> and it would have been cool. I'm not getting way ahead of myself. Some people theorize that it might have been Bucky who uh, shot Jack Thompson. I'm okay with that um, as an idea. Right. Uh, there's a little bit more hard evidence that it pointed to somebody else, but we will get there when we get there. I just thought it was interesting as hell. Like, I wish they would. I'm, so, I'm such a freaking child. Like, the littlest things would <laughs> make me smile. Like, if in that moment... Um, you know, when Armin's talking to uh, Faustus, if he pulled out a, a all black book with a red star on it, you know, like any little thing to make me be like, right. yeah, they're going to do that thing. And I, But I'm such a child because that's basically, I don't need, bread, me, I shouldn't need breadcrumbs. To me, that's one of those moments you could actually get away with because like, I you don't, because they play mystery with it so well, so much, you don't even have to actually cast, um, what's his name? Uh, Bucky. Bucky? Yeah. Um, Sebastian Stan? Yeah. You don't even have yeah. to pay Sebastian Stan to come in for a few seconds because like, we're not going to see his face, right? Like, yeah. But if you just kind of played the music, which you owned. Yeah. <laughs> I do love his theme. Yeah. Uh, 
there's like all kinds of weird mechanical bangings. And, yes. And, and, oh, it's really, really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> real, real badass stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I Whitney, think you could have like, away with that if you did it. Um, I liked Whitney for the most part. I liked her backstory of her being like incredibly genius and her mother kind of being uh, upset that she can't keep her man and thus you know, the trauma goes down to the child of like, no one's going to want you for your brain. Um, I, w- I was hurt and taken aback by the first time you see her act and they call cut. And there's just like a bunch of really mean things said after that, right. which is like, we need somebody. I thought you told me you can light an old actress, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and I was just like, damn, people suck sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Hollywood sucks. Um, pretty sure it does. But... It got a it got a bit cartoony. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's the crack on the face. <laughs> I don't know if it's that help. There's a lot of there's all, a lot of cat and mouse. All the rats. Where I feel like it it would have been yes. <laughs> oh, there was a lot of rats as well. Cat and mouse, a lot of rats. Um, I don't hate her. I definitely know there's that there were was eh, there were worse villains, but I was very happy to see uh, Dottie come back. Yes. I was like, oh, okay. just wanted more Dottie. <laughs> I guess because I don't know m- too much about Zero Matter, and it made me feel like because I don't know about it, they can literally do whatever they want, and I kind of feel like that's what they did. <laughs> Until it kind of They're did. Like, just, did they not? Did they not blow up three atomic bombs? What? What? What happened? Didn't they throw? <laughs> didn't they? Didn't they do like three atomic tests of like radiation and shit like that just for this fucking rift to open? Like right. they were being a little bit clear- careless there. Uh, I. So, oh, yeah, check this out. So, uh, when Everett plays Whitney, Frost, mm-hmm. Everett was confirmed to be playing the character uh, the October before the uh, season dropped. After being cast and seeing a picture of the comic version of the character, Everett felt that they got the wrong girl because she doesn't look anything like her. Hmm. She was like, maybe they're going to dye my hair. Maybe they're going to make me work out. Make me work has out. Way bigger boobs. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. She literally says those are some really big boobs on the other character. Um, but instead they took a different <laughs> instead they took a different approach uh, and made you know try to make her more like a Hollywood icon. Mm-hmm. And even though she doesn't wear the gold mask that she's famous for, Madam Mask, yes, if you will, um, she has masks in the background. There are various masks uh, in the background. Which, by the way, her up. being an actor leads to my favorite line. <laughs> Which is what? This is like, Jarvis, you just hit a woman with my car. Yes, I did, sir. That's, what That's I was a two-time Academy Award actress. That's a two-time Oscar <laughs> nominated actress. That's, that, was, that, was, that was great. I was like, and is that what you think of, Howard? You know what's so weird? Um, this It's crazy. And I guess because you also don't see this in Batman. Mm. But like... Jarvis is the butler. That's his job, right? Yes. When you get back to season two and probably those three episodes that you're talking about, because I would have seen them more as recently as you have. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where he's like calling for mustard. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, bro, go get your own. Mu- oh, yeah, that's your butler. Right. Like, that's that's what he does. <laughs> like at the, we, we started respecting him as like an agent and like a man and like a husband and like all those <laughs> things. But he, at the end of the day, his job is to butler. And he was supposed to butler that mayonnaise or whatever. And so when Howard's yelling at him about this mayonnaise, I'm like, bro, you need to calm down. 
oh wait no that's kind of his job yeah yeah <laughs> we, we gave him so much agency you know not it's just like oh right you still serve this guy yeah um i imagined when i when it was mostly jarvis and agent carter that this is, must be what pennyworth feels like ah. i'm gonna have to go back and and and, and check out pennyworth uh for a compare and contrast but I, they must have the same issues of like we can't really show anybody who we can't show, we can't really bring in villains that don't exist. Right. Um, I like I said, I was trying to do a deep dive and think back uh, about like older villains, but my, my my mind's not that great with old Captain America villains. Fa- Faustus was a great was a great pull, to be honest. Um, creating a Black Widow, re- another good pull. Yes. Uh, I I was happy that the damn um, Howling Commandos showed back up. I was really um, happy about that. It was good to see them. Although I don't think they were all the same ones, were they? I know um, the main one it was. Wasn't Dum Dum Dugan is? Yeah, that's the only one I remember. I also call him Dum Dum Duggan a lot because if I'm not mistaken, he spells his name the same way that Hacksaw Jim Duggan does, doesn't he? Uh, one less G. Is that like the? Is that where you take the emphasis off? No, I just I've heard it said. Dugan before, and that's what I went with. Dugan. Okay, I gotta go back. Yeah, they, that's, that's how everyone pronounces it. I felt like a fool. I'm like Duggan, dum dum Duggan. Uh, we had, I the, working alongside Whitney Frost. We had Calvin Chadwick, who was being portrayed uh, by Curry Graham, Frost's yeah. husband, owner of the Isodyne Energy, and secret member of the Council of Nine. That council ended up being kind of nothing. Kind well, of. after she was done with it, it literally was nothing. But it, it, it yeah, it doesn't like it's nowhere near uh, Leviathan, right? Is Leviathan real? Is that a comic thing as well? Um, I feel like it always is. I'm a bit over it to tell you the truth. <laughs> Between my I DC think, and my Marvel, yeah. When they said Leviathan, when they said Leviathan. Like, uh, you can't stop it. It's Leviathan. I was like, oh, my Not God. again. It's always Leviathan. <laughs> no matter what Leviathan. company I'm reading, it's always Leviathan. They did it in Supergirl, remember? Leviathan. I was, I was just going to say, can't help you if you had just watched Supergirl before this. And you're just like, oh, no. Oh, my God. You know, and then you go, oh, you know what? I'll get away from all this stuff. I'll just read my Superman comic. Leviathan, Leviathan. is coming. <laughs> all right. Oh, this is out of control. This is this is too much. Um. What is this? So there, uh, Leviathan is a fictional Soviet-based terrorist organiz- organization. Ah. Um, it was created in Secret Warriors 11 by Jonathan Hickman. So that's pretty recently. Okay. They didn't even go Ma- M- Magia with what's-his-face. Um, I'm going to get it. Joseph Manfredi. Okay. Oh, he is the leader of the Magia. Okay, good. I was like, if you have the things in place in your universe, just use them. I actually was a big fan of his. I actually really dug that he really liked Whitney Frost. Right. Right? Like, he was like, I want to save her. He was... Like, he, at one point... He was interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm so used to that actor being a comedy guy. Yeah. Because I'm used to him being a doofus in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. Yes. So I was just like, and oh, this is really serious and like violent for you. Yeah. Um now the same thing though, like when it comes to villains, especially mob bosses or organized crime leaders, there's basically a playbook. 
Yes. We've done 130 of these episodes, GT. We've seen so many introductions yes. of the angry mobster, and it's all the same. Somebody messes up a little bit. He he over punishes them to show that he's not no one to play with. And then we're supposed to be living in fear. But almost immediately after that, everything is played up for laughs. Like he's cooking with his grandma. Right. You know? She's trying to stab people at the dinner table or whatever. Right. Um, Which by the time he by the time he goes back to just like, you know, murdering people with impunity, you're just laughing along with it. Right. Because he's kind of a joke at that point. Um, but this idea that he would be in love with this woman, she would leave him and go with a, a, a you know, a, a industry tycoon, basically like a leader, somebody who's in this um, secret council, mm-hmm. and like that he still wants to, like he's kind of a thug, he's kind of a like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he's a <laughs> he's a gangbanger, he's a gangbanger who still has like a high school crush. Yes, and so and so even when when she's doing all this stuff, like he's literally at, at first, I thought it was like a power play. Like he's like, oh, you're still so beautiful. Don't worry about that. Yeah, thing that thing cr- crawling across your face. Don't even worry about it. You're still great. You're I still thought beautiful. so too. Um, and so I thought it was all this was all like a power play thing, but like it gets to several points where it shows that it's not. And he goes to visit her in the mental institution. Yeah, you know, to still kind of be there. Um, how do you feel about that? Did 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 that ring true? When you were watching it this entire I remember, time. I, I remember even watching it the second time. It kind of surprised me. I was just like, oh, he showed up at the thing. Because um, yeah. even then, I remember. Because I don't, I didn't exactly remember her scene at the end either. So even at the end, I was just like, wait, her husband's dead. Yeah, I saw that too. I was like, I, he's dead, right? Did I miss something? Uh, but then they pulled out and they showed her in the, in the institution. I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Her whole thing. So... Like, I think her thing is pretty cut and dry, which is why I think there was too many episodes. Her thing was uh, she was she never went to grasp that power because she was always told that that was not what women do. So the one instance in which she got power and didn't have to be helpless or, or didn't have to wait for permission from, from a man, she dissolved all those men. It w- It's almost like, and obviously way less dramatic, but like a female killmonger. Right. In the sense that what she's doing, she's doing from a place of pain. And one could definitely relate. But um, you got to be more Peggy and less um, Frost. And I feel like it's the same way where you should be more T'Challa and less Killmonger. You can have the feelings you have, your aggressions towards those that, that downplay you for being a minority. But revenge isn't the answer. You know, you can't just go around absorbing people. Is that what she was doing? Uh, y- Yes. <laughs> something like that at one point this is she, this is where uh, you this is where we get back into your your comment about how unexplained everything is right and so then i'm like if this is symbio i know what this is but if it's not then and it felt like a flash doohickey like where they just put two words together zero matter <laughs> right and so i was like okay so it's zero matter he wants it but we don't know what it is she wants it he kind of has it he's phasing out she has it. She has powers. Like, none of it was adding up. It chose him, but didn't choose her. So then she... So then it just took it from her. But it also wanted to come through here and take everything from us. It's a lot. There's a lot going on with that. Uh, I wish Zero Matter was something concrete. I know you probably couldn't do a symbiote for... Symbiote for multiple reasons. But I just wish it was something... We knew or we understood. Um, 
And it was also a very particular choice to go multi-dimensional in season two of Agent Carter. Mm. Where I felt like there's probably still more of a lot of uh still more of a lot of um fish to fry when it came to like the normal espionage nature of it all. Yes. Especially when you get the introduction of Vernon Masters. Oh, portrayed by Kurt Kurt Smith Smith. playing a dickhead. Tail is all this time. He was great. He w- he could stare daggers into you without blinking. It still um, talks so calmly throughout the entire thing. I love when she's when he's trying to uh, press Peggy for her informant, right? And it's really obvious that's what that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like I hate when you know that the villain is doing is up to no good, but the the hero doesn't, right? But there's like these long pauses of like, who is he? Oh, I'm just gonna keep it to myself. Well, uh, but who is he, Peggy? You know, when there's a lot of that, and Peggy's looking around, and Peggy's like, "I'm not telling you. I'm not, I'm all about that." But the way, like, and he's like, you know, what he's, he says something like, "There's a flood coming," uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be careful if I, I'd be careful if I were you. And she's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm pretty good at swimming." And you're like, "Yeah, but I think the rest of these guys are gonna end up drowning." And he just walks away, and I'm like, "Oh snap!" And then he tells all the stuff he told Thompson about, like. I love when Thompson just goes up to him. He's just like, maybe I, maybe I underestimated you. Maybe yes, you're ready yes, for that yes, promotion. Yeah. yeah, is that is that when he catches him by the <laughs> when he catches him? Going he catches him in the safe. The uranium. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, I, he's like in, he's like in an incredibly classified part of the building where nobody else is, opening the one door behind dangerous uranium rods and gets caught red-handed and it's like, oh. You know what? You deserve a promotion. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you got caught dead to rights. You're not, there's no getting out of this. But um, they did get out of it using probably the funnest invention on the show, the two-minute mind eraser. <laughs> the, the, the front to low the, uh, eraser, mind eraser thing. Uh, the um, uh, proto um, nebulizer. There you go. <laughs> I totally dug the whole, like, I'm erasing his memory, but only enough of it. And so he walks a couple feet and remembers what's going on. So he comes back. I thought that was pretty funny. I caught like what was happening the first time it happened. I was like, but he's just going to go back and be like, wait, I still, if he remembers her face, he still remembers her face. You can't erase her face because it wasn't two minutes ago. So every couple minutes, he's going to be like, where do I know her from? And that was hilarious. Um, uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Lot Van, oh sorry, Lot Verbeek plays Anna Jarvis, the free spirited and quirky. I wouldn't know if I would call her free spirited and quirky, maybe. Uh, wife of Edwin Jarvis, who quickly befriends Carter. I liked her a lot. <laughs> yes, she was super cool. Um, that shooting of her was a big deal to me. You know, like it wasn't a situation where it was like, oh, I get what they're doing here. This yeah. is like, oh wow! Like she did, she really had nothing to do with this, right? Like she really is innocent in all this. Um, how do you feel about the news that because of her shooting, she will no longer be able to bear children? Um, thus making thus making Tony the surrogate. Uh, I'm assuming surrogate son of that family. Yeah, like like that was devastating. Even though my memory of it was messed up, so I thought she died. Oh uh, yeah. I thought she was gonna die. So I went I like looked down on my phone and when I looked up, 
it was that scene that you're talking about where they're holding hands in the in the hospital. Right. And I'm like, did she just did I just miss her die? Like that they made it seem like a big thing. I understand the big thing was that she got shot. Right. But I was like, are you trying to tell me something else happened? Like are you trying to tell me that she's gone now for good? And I so when it was that. like and I think uh it was it's Peggy. Peggy's talking to Sousa and is like, Yeah, it's 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 his wife. And she goes, Oh my god, I'm so and she goes, No, she's in the hospital. And I was like, Whew, okay, we're good. We're good to go. Yeah. Um but like you, you get what I'm saying though about like her looking at, at um, looking at Jarvis talking to Peggy and stuff like that. Yes, like, there was something. There was like they, I felt like they were trying to do something there, but eventually she just shows how great of a woman she is, where she doesn't even care that this British bombshell is walking around with her uh, husband. I mean, it's almost like they made it that point right in the beginning because like the first time you see her is like right with um, I think it's Peggy on top of Jarvis. Oh, when she flips him, yeah, when she flips, and she just yeah, walks she's... in, and she's just totally right. And I and I thought that moment was meant to be like, like, why? Like, you just can't. We can't catch a break because everything that we do looks like we're doing something that we're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah uh, so I totally got that part, uh, that part and portion of it. Um, I liked all their like, their backstory. I now I'm too much of a man now, and I was too much of a man then. But in years, I'm going to cry. With that little, that very little monologue that Jarvis gives by her bedside, mm. where he's like, "I will cook your favorite meals. I will throw out the shirts that you don't like. I will, you know, we can go wherever you want. We can go get that weird dog, that weird mountain dog that you want. <laughs> Just please, you have to wake up." I was fucking heartbroken. I was like, "Oh my god, Jarvis!" Because he's a good crier. There's not a lot of good men criers. That right. actor. Is a tremendous crier. You can see the pain in his eyes every time. Only, only he, for he it, cried. only for it to come out that she had been, she had woken up like four gifts ago. Yes, yes, yes. She was like, "I just want to see how much I can get." <laughs> um, I talk often about the matter of factness of death and um and its lack of portrayal as such mm-hmm. uh on shows. I think that sometimes because of the, uh, the amount of media that we take in. We think when somebody gets shot that it happens in slow motion, some music pans, there's time to to jump in front of the bullet, etc. But I love that the matter-of-fact nature in which Jarvis just walked up on Whitney Frost and emptied out his gun. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. I was I was like, oh, he just got got up, got in his face, pop, pop. And it was like it's over. Oh, which is sort like, of which is sort of interesting yeah. because Jarvis gets these two really big moments in both seasons. Yes, one where yeah. he ha- where, one where he's threatened with the uh, with the possibility of having to shoot down his surrogate son and friend. Yes, and now yep. and now he's just like nah nah. Mask Whitney Foss has to die. This is how it is. I've made that. Yeah. I, I made this decision an hour ago, and I feel like we've seen something recently like that, where somebody was just way too headstrong on trying to kill the person out of river. I think it might have been Jessica Jones or something. But it's like you know, like he's obviously tunnel minded, um, and uh, he doesn't think this way normally. But for his wife, right or die, and I'm about yeah. that. He was, <laughs> that 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 was I like I said again, that was really really cool. Um, there i wanted to talk about the peggy carter uh slander file 
Oof. So, so, um, Mister, I was gonna say uh, Underwood or whatever. I'm missing. I'm mixing up everybody's Thompson. Names. Vernon Masters. Oh, Masters, yeah. Gives Thompson a file about uh, Peggy Carter. Yes. That's a bunch of stuff. Then he is shot and killed. First of all, great uh, playing both sides. I thought Thompson did a great job playing all sides. Yeah. Playing Peggy's side, playing uh, Vernon's side. Playing, and then playing for uh, himself. Yeah, Whitney's side, playing for himself. Great stuff. Because then by the um, end, he's just like, now nah, I'm killing all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's good. yeah, he almost. And then I like I like his face when the thing kind of blows up, and it wasn't him. Yeah, he's like, no, don't don't get it twisted. I totally was gonna do it, but that wasn't me. <laughs> uh, I thought that was funny because I was like, you you didn't even do it, bro. It would be it'd be a shame. If no, it's it's, it's that awkward it. moment where it's just like, oh crap, it happened. And, no way, it totally wasn't me. I mean, it, yeah, it would have been me, me but time. then it wasn't me. I assure yeah. you, it wasn't me. Yes, uh, even though I totally so, just said it was about to be me. I, I love that moment where he comes inside and uh, he comes in the into the office of the SSR and uh, Peggy kind of reads him the riot act and is like, if you're here, you've got to be here for uh, dinner orders or whatever. Yeah. And he gives her a face and he's like, you know what? I'm on it. And he, do- and he does it. Yeah. And I think that's a full circle for that character. But like, and, and <laughs> it was funny too, because like, I thought so. And then it immediately looks like he did it for his own ends. Yes. Oh, no. I, I When he goes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be somebody picking it up. I'm like, oh, so it's probably not going to be him. Like, he's probably going <laughs> to... Like, I did my job. I wrote down everybody's order, and I called it in. Hopefully, somebody gets it and brings it over. <laughs> Checkmate. Uh, so, do you have any idea, inclining as to who could have shot um, Mr. Thompson? for? I'm assuming for that fire, right? That was a whole... They left with that file, so the assumption is they shot him to take that file. Uh, Leviathan, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leviathan. Yeah, it probably could be Leviathan. I, I assume uh, it's just Leviathan. I guess it's it's more like if you were to con- like ask yourself who Leviathan hired for that. Like, I, I'm still not familiar enough with that time frame to have an answer other than Bucky lived through all of them. Right. And I think that Bucky is the most interesting answer, but I have this answer. Let me see if I can find it for you, which I thought, which perked up my ears a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm. Uh, it, it seemed like initially the person that they were thinking about it being was Michael Carter. She has a brother? That, yeah, she has a brother. The one that she was talking to in the uh, oh, that dies right, in the war. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's um, right. Because they were, I remember them saying that there was a tease for a brother figure in the third season. Yeah. So the idea would be that you find out that Michael is not dead. Mm. He is working for some nefarious secret organization. Is Michael Carter a Winter Soldier? Maybe. Mm. Which would be it would that would be extremely interesting in my opinion. Um, but yeah, they were going to try to flesh out the brother more but it was literally stated like nefarious backgrounds and that he is would be kind of coming back to the de- from the dead not coming back from dead but what we know of him is not necessarily true okay which i was like oh ain't that some shit um now did you, yeah, hear, so did, you hear real, why, did you hear why the show was canceled i have some stuff here i'm hearing ratings uh viewership do you have anything other anything more concrete so Haley atwell says that 
ABC decided after the second season that we like Haley Atwell and we would prefer to put her in something less genre specific because that would be better for the channel. <laughs> they could, yeah, because I saw something that was like, you just got put on another channel. It, does that give you more chances of doing season three? And I was like, what does that have to do with, with anything? But you're saying it's the ABC thing. Yes. Uh, it, it, the, the show, the, the same channel that Peggy Carter was, that Agent Carter was on. Yes. That channel decided to put her on a different legal drama called Conviction. Okay. Because legal drama is a much more genuinely, like, not generally uh, popular genre. Would I be wrong to say that this one, this show doesn't necessarily follow one specific genre? Maybe that was its issue? Because it's not full espionage, right? But as far as they're concerned, genre is comic book. Right. I can see that. Yeah. You know, I think you. I think the best way to do that, though, is you kind of gotta pair it with something else. Yeah, you know, you kind of gotta, you kind of gotta pair it there. And and while I, it was entertaining and humorous, it wasn't laugh out loud like some of Marvel's other properties. No, not at all. Um, which, like I said, there was like a, there was almost this buttoned up nature about the show. Like there was almost this, you know, like big boy pants, like, like, like <laughs> you would go to sleep, you would go and watch, um, I don't know, uh, freaking Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and when it came time for bed, mom and dad are gonna watch Agent Carter. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Like that was the adult viewing, but again, this was before the blow up of the tremendous Marvel Netflix shows. Yes. Which showed what real adult Marvel content should look like. <laughs> um. And I feel like that's where this gets stuck. It's not. It's it's palatable enough for all ages, mm-hmm. so that no, no, you know, kids are not running scared or like, "Hey, mom, what's you know, sodomy and stuff like that's not happening." Right. Um, but in the same sense, because of well, the level that I don't think it's necessarily challenging people our ages. So you we take so it. So would you argue that Agent Carter was like two years too soon? I think if it would have came out later they would have been more trial and error to find out where she could have fit. Okay. Um, I heard that they were thinking about like continuing the character kind of sort of in podcast form. Remember how they used to do those long, like the Wolverine long, like audio dramas. Like yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that makes sense in a sense, in a way. Cause like, like Haley Atwell has done a bunch of those. Oh, has she really? She's done a, she a big voiceover person. She's done a bunch of like BBC radio dramas. Okay. So like that, oh. that would be a realm she was very uh, comfortable in. People talk all crazy about like RDJ and Nick Fury and, and stuff, but like she played uh, Agent Carter for First Avenger, uh, this show, um, the one shot. And, the, and, all, all, all three Captain America's movies, no? Winter Soldier. Uh, um, she gets a she gets a, a a visual in Civil War, but you never see her. Oh, because she gets text that he she's already dead. Yeah, but you get so a she photo. Gets two, you got a photo of her, right? Um, Age of Ultron, she's in Ant Man, she's in the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, time time diluted, she's in Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. So she's you know she's she's done well by that character. She's also voice acted Peggy Carter in Avengers Assemble on Disney XD. Oh, that's awesome. And she's going to voice 
her on the what if. Yes. When we see. Damn it. Dugan said it. Dugan called her it. Uh, gosh. Union Jack. Yes. Union Jack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yes. Yes. She's also Dugan. voiced Peggy Carter in the Captain America Super Soldier video game and Lego's Marvel Adventures. That's awesome. That's awesome to have like an all around, that all around kind of. Yeah feel but then but then you get put in those situations like ahsoka tano and then somebody else gets casted and you're like (laughs) (laughs) i did everything but everything but uh let me see what other players we're here to talk about we've already talked about i think that that might be it so as far as it i feel like with the cancellation here i see that um uh one of the showrunners said that letting the show die would be a serious mistake for the network and for the bigger disney abc conglomerate these days entertainment properties have to be viewed not just through the lens of their ratings admittedly weak for agent carter Hmm. they have to be evaluated within the context of overall value they bring to any entertainment colossus and what agent carter adds to disney abc is simply too valuable to bring up to give up bringing something different to the company's superhero portfolio Mm. Um, which is like, yeah, but also we need something. There needs to be a twist here. You know, everyone's very happy and everyone's very fine. You know, first Avenger works because of civil war. I don't know if I could have done two first Avenger type movies. Right. You know, um, and we can't bring agent Carter to the present, but she will be reacting to the actual present coming, you know, like (laughs) as time changes, Yeah, which would, which would have been interesting. Um, so we have that there, uh, they were hoping that it would, it might be, it might go onto the H ABC app or be sold to Netflix where fans of super heroic storytelling could uh, flock to it. Um, and that they think that its status as a period piece may have harmed its broadcast, Maybe, but it could be a real draw for Netflix. Um, Netflix users will watch anything as we've already shown. Ah. So that work that works there. Um, a third Agent Carter season could help solidify Marvel standing, not just with female fans, but with everyone who appreciates excellence and adventurous storytelling. Mm. Well, guess what, Marvel? I don't know why the hell it took you so long to come out with a Black movie, Widow movie that still won't come out. That's right. You're having issues garnering female fans. All you had was Captain Marvel. That was it. <laughs> that's all. That's the only thing you tried, and it worked. But even and, and even then, on, it, and even then, it makes you feel like you just waited for DC to do it first. Yes, to make sure that it works. <laughs> if Wonder Woman fails, it's all going to fail. So let's just wait. Let's just wait and see. What sucks is that as you read about the cancellations, like it's like um, the first year that it gets canceled, everyone's like, you know what? Uh, I got high hopes to find, you know, find life somewhere else. And the next year, it's like, you know, we're looking at a lot of different options. And then it's like, yeah, I don't really think it's going to come back. <laughs> so like in 2016, one of the showrunners was like, yeah, I don't think it's coming back. I would love to see it. You know, even in some other form or whatever, but I doubt yeah. that there's a Netflix play for it. Um, which is like, eh. so on May twenty, on May twelfth, two thousand sixteen, a day before my birthday, uh, they canceled the series. Mm. Yeah. So you saw this after they canceled it? Yes, I saw it years later. Okay. After people were just like, "Oh man, Agent Color was really good. Why did they get rid of it?" And I was like, "Okay, I'll see what it was." 2016 was a banner year. It may have been the year that we got uh, Lord Voldemort in office, but ah! we also we also managed Civil War, 
the birth of comic book click, um, DC Rebirth. There was a lot of big things coming out. Uh, Batman vs Superman, which was which was what it was. It was an event, <laughs> whether you liked it or not. Uh, it was it was a, a hell of a big year. But in August of that same year, Jeff Loeb stated that he didn't understand the cancellation. There were no conversations regarding the series' future between ABC and Marvel, with the latter simply receiving a call from ABC saying Agent Carter was canceled. Because nobody talks to you, Jeff. No, no one's talking to you, Jeff. Uh, he added that since the networks decide what content they would like from Marvel Television, if someone wants to call and say, we want a two-hour Agent Carter film for 2000, uh, May 2017, boom, we'll put it together and we'll have the greatest Agent Carter movie we can. Atwell added that she was also not a part of the conversation to cancel the series. Again, I don't really think they stars are parts of cancellation conversation no they are not uh i called it a network political thing and like you said abc wanted her to headline the more mainstream drama conviction yes to get their ratings up instead of agent carter which atwell had felt gained the cult following i don't know about this cult following are you aware of this cult following um not necessarily i only recently heard of this i i heard about the show when the cancellation happened because people were i the prevailing uh, noise I heard was, uh, the, the Agent Carter got canceled so that she could do this conviction show. That sucks, man. <laughs> that sucks. And it's like it's like it's like if I knew that the only reason Stephen Amell left was to go do like heels. Vampire Diaries or something. Yo, he, well, I know he's doing heels, but I mean, like, if it was on CW as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm like, you son of, you should just stay in Vancouver and film the damn green hooded guy. Right, right, just right. Do that. Um, are you surprised that there hasn't been any kind of like Netflix uh, resurgence? No, because I don't think they've been ready for that yet. And then by the okay. time the Netflix stuff really hit, I don't. I think. Um, I think it, the well was too dry on Agent Carter. And not for nothing, even with as hard as they hit, they're all canceled as well, <laughs> right? Yeah, so it's like it's like they're gonna help you up the hill, but they're not even up the, the hill to them they're themselves. Yeah, uh, which is extremely interesting. The fact that like Marvel Television really don't got any feet to stand on right now, besides Hulu, which has been entertaining some of that runaway stuff, and um, I think it might they might have Cloak and Dagger as well. Yes, they do. We have FX, which was playing with Legion. I think Legion's over. I think so. Gifted, I'm assuming, is canceled. Yes. Uh, and then Agents of Shield season fifteen currently going on right now. Oh, <laughs> Agents of Shield. Um, eventually I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to watch that. I'm gonna put that and Smallville in a hat one day. I'm 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 behind, but I think I was I think I lost it like next to end the last season. I hope my my brother in law is listening because he hit me up and he's like, hey, bro, you need to watch Agents of Shield, and he showed me a trailer for this season where they're going back in time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, this is Legends of Tomorrow. Like, this is why I've seen this show. <laughs> I've seen this show with a wacky team has to go back in time. And, you know, speaking of Legends of Tomorrow, Dan is like really loving Legends of Tomorrow. Yes, I've heard this. Um, I told him that the first season is enjoyable, but it, it starts to, I think it, it loses heart once Victor Garber leaves. Cause I'm like, he's the one, like, if he's down with all the silliness, I'm down. But once the elder statesman leaves, I'm like, oh, so now it's just everybody just playing around. Which is kind of funny in a way because it's sort of like if you weren't watching the show, you 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 just find out that the old guy dies in the crossover. And he's just like, oh yeah, you're right. That's not even a legends thing. They no, have to deal with the aftermath on legends. Yeah. Ugh. Gray, 
So yeah, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, you loving legends, you loving the Hawk people, you loving Rip Hunter, you loving uh, Captain Cold, you loving all those characters. Hey, not gonna be there forever, bro. I don't want to harp that man's uh, happiness. I hope he thoroughly enjoys the show, but it just sucks when you get into something and then realize there's nothing on the other end. Yeah, or that when it, that starts to dwindle. Um, half of that cast, I don't even know. In, in Legends now, I think they added like a bunch of different people. Um, but only we'll person I only person there. I know they added was like the the girlfriend. Yeah, the girlfriend of who? Uh, Canary. There's some girl. There was a new girl there. Oh, the robot. The um, she's an android. Wait. Uh, she's what? Yeah, she's a, she's a time android. Oh, good Christ! She's like a she's like a time clone thing. Her name is like whatever. Ava. I think her name is Ava. Uh huh. Um. And so there's an episode called I, Ava, where you realize oh, that she's... Oh, God's sake. One, but you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying now? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? yeah that's what. And that's the whole thing. is like, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? Vandal Savage potentially taking over the Earth by going back in the past and, and changing things? I totally get that. Uh, this weird Time Bureau stuff. I thought it was, again, more tangents. I thought it was absolutely amazing that Rip Hunter lied to the Time Bureau, lied to the Legends, and was doing this basically suicide mission yeah. for Out of Revenge. Like, that was the most heart-pounding moment of that series, is, like, realizing that all of this is actually not, none of this is sanctioned. I'm doing this because they killed my damn family. Right. This is what we're about to do right now. It's just, it's you all know? just a revenge quest. Yeah. And I, I, they, I felt like while it's different for Agent Carter to clear um, Stark's name than to clear her name. Mm, okay. That energy is different. And so what I guess what I was trying to say with season two is that I really liked when Vernon was threatening her with this idea that America would be completely paranoid to the idea of outside spies from other countries. As they always were. Um, as they always were. So the idea that we'd be cooled off the heels of World War II, scientists and, and, and soldiers and everybody being displaced in all different kinds of countries, not knowing what the allegiances are, um, it would have been cool if there, would, if there was some sort of uh, secret organization, <laughs> maybe like oh. Hydra, that went through a great length to smatter maybe the whole SSR, maybe just Peggy. But I, 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 there, wasn't, there was very little, in my opinion, of personal stakes for Peggy. Okay. Um, besides principled stakes. Right. Like, in principle, she needs to help Howard Stark. In principle, she needs to close this dark matter thing. But I don't feel like she had personal stakes in any of those things. And I feel like that that's what kind of... She's always protecting it. other people's stuff. Right. And she's doing the right thing, which is... That's that's cool. That's that's as you should be. Yeah. But I remember... I remember um, for years I made fun of uh, the Reverse Flash because I thought it was the dumbest name <laughs> in history. Like reverse Aquaman. Mm-hmm. It's literally the name, but just reverse at the end, at the beginning of it. Um, but what made me love that character, now I have like hats and I've written articles about him and all kinds of stuff about Eobard Thawne, is how personal it is. It's extremely fucking personal. Yeah. It's like extremely personal. And that's what brings that, when that show gets personal, that's when it gets the highest of highs, in my opinion. Same thing with Arrow. And I felt like this could have used a little bit more stake. The like most stake was 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 um, Jarvis's wife, and you saw how well that worked. Yes, in getting us upset and then mad and then happy and then, you know, all those things. Um, it, it could have used a bit more stakes, but again, an ABC series that tops out at ten episodes—that's almost unheard of. Right. 
Like, ironically, it seems like Jarvis has the most to lose. Oh yes, yeah. He's the only one. Like we, we. He's the only one that we don't know what happens to. Like yeah, we don't know what happens to his wife, but she's not consequential in the story. We know that he's not alive. Come Iron Man one, right? <laughs> so we just anything could happen between then and there. Literally anything could happen. If but like I, if I, I mean, so like that, like that Jarvis is constantly like like uh, uh juggling his marriage with these adventures. Yeah, yeah, um, and and the mundanity of it. My favorite other Jarvis thing is him trying to fight that flamingo. Ah. <laughs> and he's all like, you know, they look they look beautiful, but they're like the scum of the earth or whatever. Right. Like he tells Agent Carter, like he has like this vendetta against these animals in his garden. <laughs> uh, really, really, really good stuff. Sweet. Like I said, they definitely had the heart. I wish they could have ramped it up a little bit in the danger. I, I'm suspicious of why ABC would only get eight to ten episodes of any given season. Right. When when network television shows run 23 tops. Yeah. Um, which makes me kind of wonder why the Batwoman order stopped where it did. Maybe they knew something else as well. You know, they're like, That's they're like no, 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 we don't need the 23. We're good. <laughs> we're going to stop around here. Um, so, Yeah. Yes, I say watch it. I would advise those to watch it. I I think it's a good piece of Marvel programming. Um, it would be cool if they ever be- go back to this time period because again, I think you can set up a lot of things that seem lived in in the MCU. Yes, um, you could set that up uh, in in there. And come on, we're we're literally gluttons for that kind of shit. Oh yeah, totally. we are. We we would sh- shovel all that into our mouths. That's all. That's what we want. That's all we need. <laughs> Um, are you ready for some trivia before we get out of here? Uh, sure, real quick. I'm a little tight. Okay. Uh, go ahead. I got you. Okay, so Haley Atwell admitted on Twitter that when she was filming this, she had to go get her picture taken for a driver's license. So in her driver's license, she has the makeup, the outfit, and the hairstyle of Peggy Carter. Hilarious. As you said, I actor uh, and <laughs> as you said, actor Enver Gojak, who played Agent uh, Sousa, also played one of the NYPD officers during the attack on New York. Uh, which hasn't also been explained. Um, I assume overarching... it's just a son of his. It's the same way the the the, the principal in you know Spider Man looks exactly like him. Right, right. That makes sense. The main overarching plot of the series of Howard Stark enlisting Peggy to help him retrieve his stolen inventions is an adaptation of the story arc Armored Wars really? uh, from the Iron Man comic, where Tony Stark hunts down his stolen armored tech. Interesting. Uh, uh, in season one, it is shown that the Leviathan organization in Russia has a training brainwashing academy to turn young girls into lethal assassins. This story arc alludes to the training received by Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow of the Avengers, who in her comic book origins was trained by the Russian KGB as a little girl in such an academy. In the season one episode, uh, season one, episode seven story snafu. Dottie Underwood, who uh, has been revealed to be a Leviathan assassin, overwhelms SSR agents using the same stylistic fighting and acrobats used by Black Widow. A comparison of skills can be made by watching Black Widow fighting in the current string of Marvel films um, and that. We also have, um, this is what we're talking about, uh, episode one, uh, uh, sorry, season one, episode eight, features Dr. Armin Zola coming into contact with Dr. Avenko. This can be a nod to Winter Soldier being created with the support of Dr. Avenko. It's widely rumored that the ring that Dr. Avenko, I'm, I'm saying this right, Avenko, yeah. uh, spins on his finger while manipulating his villains 
is one of the Mandarin's ten rings. Oh, God. Known as the Mento Intensifier Ring, a.k.a. the Liar, it allows the wearer to create mental illusions and even mental paralysis inside another person's mind. Sure. Okay. Yeah, we're just connecting it all. Uh, but that is it on the on as far as Agent Carter is concerned. We're gonna we're going on a little Marvel kick for a while because I know we're doing a bunch of DC. Next up is Irredeemable Ant Man, which uh, I oh, have never read before. So, is it really? <laughs> I mean, I like can't the wait. guy it's been is. A while since I just seen somebody be deplorable. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while since I just seen somebody be deplorable for the sake of it. Everyone was so kind in Agent Carter. <laughs> Everyone was so even the assholes eventually turn around <laughs> and you know. They become better. Right. Um, so, yeah, make sure that you guys are following us wherever we have our podcast. That's Podbean Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app. The easiest way to find all of our content is go to comicbookclick.com, the one stop for all of our stuff, our merchandise, our articles, our uh, major issues podcast. All, of, uh, all our comic books click stuff is on there, comicbookclick.com. Uh, like I said, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. Quickest way to find us is to go to major, uh, go to google.com and type in Major Issues Podcast. Hmm. We're the first ones to come right up because we are always talking about the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. But we want to hear from you. Do you like Agent Carter? What do you think about Irredeemable Ant-Man? Reach out to us at facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issues CBC on the Twitter machine. GT, I believe you have one as well. Yes, it's Rebirth GT. Hit us up on there. We're always talking some craziness. The world is on fire at the moment, but if you want to sit down and talk about something that's not racially charged, we can sit here and talk about some uh, some comics, uh, even though, you know. Even though some of that is, 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 is yes, well. racially charged as well. Anyway, yeah, as it should be, damn it. But anyway, <laughs> um, if you guys want to do us a favor, like, share, and subscribe uh, to the podcast if you can't uh subscribe or if you don't want to subscribe like if you can't do any of those things rate and review us on itunes it's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't and how to best improve our podcast i've been to the future and i've seen that we literally become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media but i can't tell you how so we just got to keep on keeping on keep telling people about it keep liking it sharing it write to us uh, we'll read your stuff here on air and join us next week for irredeemable ant-man my name is george serrano aka the don i am gregory thomas aka gt rebirth and this has been our agent carter season one and two review and remember whether or not you're a secret black widow over here trying to pretend you're from small town iowa (laughs) whether you're a man who's about to get his entire artery cut open by a fork and a very vicious british woman Whether you have a beef with a flamingo, whether you're a billionaire genius playboy philanthropist, or you just think it's been too long. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that guy's going to go on forever. Forever. Remember. What is it? No, wait. Remember. uh, Yes. You're the click. (laughs) And remember, (laughs) you. Yes, you are worthy. 